The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, boys and girls, to Brutal Nation, the podcast series that's dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only. You look like you got some last night, Tammy Underwood. Maybe. Maybe not. You seem like you're in a better mood. You know, I wanted to bring this up, and you and I have talked about this, is that I've noticed that, because you and I have this very different take on serial killers because mm-hmm. of my mouth and my jokes, and I can't literally mm-hmm. take anything seriously. You can't. I'm going to start telling everybody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work this into our intros that, you know, we're often imitated, but we are the original. We are. Because I will admit, while I'm a college educated, I'm half fucking retarded. That's that's the truth. I'm just, I'm an idiot. I can vouch for that. <laughs> no, because... I mean, because I was telling you how, you know, because I was researching this one topic we wanted to do a special episode on, and I was listening to some of these podcasts, you know, to see if anybody had actually mentioned it before, what I want to discuss, and because I don't want to, like, be rehashing something, and so I was listening to this one, and they claim to be a comedy, you like a comedy, comedic twist on, you know, the cases of serial killers, and I'm listening to it, I'm going, "Uh no. I mean, every once in a while I go, huh, no, that wasn't really that funny, you know, but you and I don't really work at it. This is how we talk normally. Uh, Every day. Well, several conversations that we've had before we get into it, you've said, look, this is a serious thing I've got to talk to you about. Can you please take us? And I try. I just, I don't take life seriously. You don't. don't. I know. Life's too fucking short. All right. So you got to tell everybody the name of this chick because I'm shaking my head because if I had her last name, I swear to God, I would change it to Poop Scoop before (laughs) I carried that last name. Just Her name is Amy Archer Gilligan. See, Archer I like because I like the cartoon series Archer. Never saw it. No shit? No shit. Never saw freaking Rick or Morty either, so whatever. Notice the silence, boys and girls. I like girls. Cat Dog, Ren and Stimpy. Because I'm looking at her like she's mentally retarded. He he is. You know what the, the fuck hey, is wrong with you? I watched Big Mouth. You talked me into watching Big, Big Mouth. Mouth. That was good. Archer, you will love. Really? Oh, I'm not a big yeah. into kind of cartoons like that, though. You make me so sad for the for for just everything. I'm just sad, dude. You're lucky you got me to watch Big Mouth, but now that I start watching it, I mean, I kind of stopped and then go back to it because it is hilarious. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Amy Archer here on Gilligan's Isle. And I, I'm it was a three it. hour tour. Um, hey, it could have been with her. How much does she charge for that? I don't know. Do I got to pay extra for a little something? <laughs> yeah, probably do. I feel like shit today, so my jokes are going to be way off. I'm sick as fuck. Okay, Here we I'm going to give you the quote, and then um, I kind of have a little kind of more descriptive thing here because of the situation. But the quote is, I love you, but I have to love me more by Peggy Spears. I would actually agree with that. Like, seriously, yeah. I mean, then we've all been in that situation to where we, we love the person that we're with, but we might not love ourselves enough to not put up with a lot of bullshit that we shouldn't fucking put True. up with. Yeah, no, I, I, I dig. I, I can, I relate right now. Thanks. To put- <laughs> You're a dick. It took me a second. Why do you, why do you make these jokes when I'm not feeling good? Because it was fun. Over here fucking dying. <laughs> dick. 
Okay, so um, I want to get into this because um, her crimes were back at the turn of the 20th century. Um, and there's kind of a, like a, I kind of have a preamble, then I kind of like describe something here. But um, I remember time when I, I had to have been about five, maybe six years old. And I was having a conversation with a friend of the family. You can remember back that far? Well, this is just it. <laughs> As we were having a conversation, you know, I can't remember exactly what conversation was about, but I remember him mentioning that he was 20 years old. Okay. And I remember my exact words were to him, 20 is old. <laughs> okay. Well, that was 40 years ago, people. And frankly, I wish I were 20 years old again. That being said, what frightens me more about getting older, it's not so much the aging and having my body make sounds that I thought I would only hear coming from my cereal in the morning. What frightens me is that when I get to an age or a place in my life where I can no longer care for myself and the person or people who take over the task will mistreat me somehow, whether that mistreatment is emotional, physical, or financial, it scares the shit out of me. Um... I always tell people that I was raised in a nursing home, literally. Uh, my halls were my, the halls were my playground, the patients' rooms were my classroom, and my mother was my hero in the whole picture. For 45 years, I saw my mom sacrifice a lot to ensure that the people she cared for in their final years, months, days, and sometimes their last hours maintained their dignity. Um, I honestly believe and this is no exaggeration, my mom would have moved heaven and earth to make sure that the resident she cared for had everything they needed to be comfortable and secure in the final moments in their, in their mortal shells that she didn't know how to be or do anything else, you know? And I'm going to say this, and thank God Scott's sick and I won't have to hear about it. Uh, my mother has, and I'm pretty sure she always will be, one of the kindest, gentlest, sweetest women I know. But heaven help the person who mistreats the elderly and infirm, because I'd hate to see her have to cut a bitch. She is really nice. She <laughs> said she'd wear a Catwoman outfit for me. That disgusts me so to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, and if Amy Archer Gilligan weren't long gone, I'm pretty sure my mom ever met her, she'd kill her. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah. So life at the turn of the 20th century was probably difficult for everybody. Healthcare wasn't even close to what we have today. The economy was just starting to boom before it crashed. Yeah. I mean, cr we all know what that was like. For I mean, the, we don't know what it was well, like. I bet you we, do, you old fucker. <laughs> we know what we've heard it was like. So let me get this right. Hold on, hold on. I just want to catch up real quick. You're raised in a nursing home. You remember when the stock market crashed? You were born old. Holy shit. <laughs> I feel old, but you were literally born old. It's not that I remember old. when the stock market crashed. I just remember hearing the story from my grandma. From the moment that you were born, you came out and your first words were mommy and daddy. It was something like, back in my day. <laughs> they were like, oh, okay. Yeah. I gave birth to a 90-year-old. That's fantastic. So um, it was also a time when, remember, how, I mean, because we read stories. We've seen Little House on the Prairie and stuff like that, where families had all lived together in the homes as a nuclear entity. Yeah. Okay. Well, right around this time is when the younger generation started going to sow their wild oats by leaving home and chasing their dreams. Okay. You cool. know, because it's like society was opening <laughs> up to them. Right. You know? Right, right. And I'm sure the older generation was feeling a little lonelier as they waved goodbye to the ones they once thought would be there to take care for it, take care of them. Um well, the aging society of the southernmost state of New England, Connecticut, not city like I had, <laughs> <laughs> were probably feeling that when 
they pro- then when they received what was probably the answer to their prayers, it came in the form of a postcard in the mail. For those who don't know what postcard is. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I forgot we have to explain this to some of our listeners. I know. Um, for our listeners or readers who do not know what a postcard, it's one of those things you see at the counter in a souvenir shop that looks like it's a picture. Well, and I do say this, you little whippersnappers. Because <laughs> you're born old. Yeah. Back in the day, we used to write a quick note in the back, probably something to the effect of wish you were here, even though we didn't really care a shit whether they were there or not. Then we slapped a seven cent stamp on it, tossed it in the mailbox, and they received it. I hey, see me. I wrote things like, like, hey, I'm glad you're not here, fucker. I'm on vacation. Kiss my ass. <laughs> then people, when I got home, dude, you're such a dick. Why? Because I, I was in Miami, Florida, and uh, thought of you, fucktard. Yeah. <laughs> thought of you and how I'm glad I'm not near you. I, I've told people that and how I'm yeah. so glad that I'm not here with you because yeah. fuck all of you people. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this postcard, probably, I mean... I'm going to describe it for you because they actually have pictures of the house online. But the picture on the front of the postcard they received, it was breathtakingly beautiful for that time. It was a beautiful, dark, two-story brick house. The yard was well manicured. There appeared to be an ivy climbing the trellis on the side of the house. The front of the house had a large covered porch with tables and chairs uh, that one could imagine sitting on in the early evening hours as they enjoyed a nice basic ale flip. Do you know what that is? I have no idea, but the house sounds like something you'd find back home in Georgia. Probably, but it didn't look like a plantation house, Scott. Oh no, no, not all plantation houses <laughs> look like what you're thinking of. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't beat anybody. I'm just saying, but um, no, we had you know like a lot of houses For like the a, record. <laughs> well, especially like if you go down to like uh, Valley, Alabama, and all that. Oh which yeah, is, uh, it, it was centered around a cotton mill, and the cotton mill when it was up and going was very, very profitable. So oh, I mean, yeah. everybody who worked there had these. Gorgeous homes there with these huge freaking southern wraparound porches and and you know a good chunk of you know for the for your backyard and side yards and all that stuff and now you could buy those houses for like under a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, see, this didn't there. have a wraparound porch, but it had the huge you know whole front side porch like my oh. houses. But you wouldn't know what my house looked like, and you're never going to. Oh, I will soon <laughs> because guess what's coming up? <laughs> it's a double event actually. <laughs> the Catholics are going to have their sausage event. But I'm going to come over to your house, and me and your mom are going to go on a date, and um, we're going to have our own sausage festival. <laughs> You're fucking disgusting to me right now. <laughs> Anyways, so, and then there was a stone path that led up to the front porch, and it even came complete with a white picket fence. Oh, wow. I know, right? And the, qu- the quintessential home, of, it was the quintessential home of society at the time. In the top right corner of this postcard were the words, the Archer Private Home for Elderly People, Windsor, Connecticut. And I'm sure that's all that was needed to pique their interest enough to ha- give them the desire to check the place out. After all, it might have just been the answer to the pr- to their prayers, right? It sounds like it stepped right out of a Sears catalog or something. Kind of does, Hold on, it? for those of you who don't know who Sears was. Oh my God, I loved the Sears catalog. Because I just remember that they were out of business. It was a kind of a, it was a department store, much like any other. It was kind of like a private, a, a little, a smaller Walmart. I was gonna say, think of Amazon only in book form. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would be it. Yeah, yeah, you went to Sears for tools and all kinds of shit. Yeah. So looking back, the Archer Private Home for the elderly uh, people was the blueprint for their modern retirement home and eventually the long-term care facility or nursing homes that are readily available in every town of America. Hey, in the town I live in. There are at least 10 nursing homes or senior living facilities in a two-mile radius. I know that's more 
in the there's more in the entire town, but I don't have time to sit and count them right now. Um, when the elderly walked up the stone path of 27 Prospect Street to knock on the door, they were greeted by a small woman wearing a checkered dress and a feminine-looking white bow tie. And I'm sure he had a, she had a sweet, if not somewhat shy smile on her face as she stepped aside to welcome them into their new home that she'd been diligently preparing for their arrival. The little old lady or man more than likely stepped into the front entry, placed his bag, their bags down they were carrying and held their, that held their meager belongings. And I can almost picture them sighing with relief at the thought of no longer being alone. Um, <laughs> wow. It, if only they knew what, then what we tragically know today, they wouldn't have walked up the stone path in the first place. Each man and woman that walked through the doors of the Archer home had a life insurance policy they had signed over to the, prop, the proprietor as part of the terms of the residency. In exchange, they were to receive a comfortable place to live out the remainder of their lives, be cared for by kind, loving caregivers, receive hot, homemade meals, and enjoy the company of other elderly residents. What they received would be the inspiration for an old movie without a happy ending. Do you have, you have a question? To, you have to pay extra for the happy ending. Just saying. <laughs> I found that out. So maybe they should have upped the insurance policy, right? I, yeah, exactly. Man, I found that out in the Philippines and Thailand and oh Japan. My and uh, God. <laughs> just say, I'm just trying to help people out, man. You pay a little few extra bucks, you can get a happy ending. Or so I've heard. So I've heard. So you've heard? Yeah, from a friend. <laughs> from a friend. Okay, so... The pioneer, who was this pioneer of the nursing industry, you ask? Her name was Amy Dugan. She was the eighth of ten children, born on October 31st, 1873 in Milton, Connecticut. Her parents were James Dugan and Mary Kennedy. And although there was little information about her younger life, which I kind of expect considering it was the 19th century, um, and record keeping was primitive to say the least, I'm assuming they were more than the average family at the time. Um, I, oh, I said the average family, but I'm going to say they're probably on the higher side of average. And I'll tell you why I came to this. Amy was lucky enough to be allowed to receive an education. Oh, sweet. Yeah. An education that the youth and especially the young women of today take for granted. And it's not sexist. It's just reality. In the eight, late 1800s, early 1900s, the average child didn't continue receiving an education past the eighth grade. It was even rarer for a young lady to be educated past that unless she was planning on being a teacher. And sadly, many who chose to become teachers didn't really make that decision until later when it seems they weren't going to be able to find a husband and raise a family. That they explains were, a lot about you. I'm not a teacher. No, from when you were born. And I'm not a spinster. Okay, no, I'm just saying, man, no access to education. Okay, no, I'm catching up. Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> they were called spinsters back then, and spinsters were pitied. Can, Be- can you figure out what kind of fucked up jokes you're getting from me today? Yeah, fucked yeah, up. Because I don't feel good? Yeah. Yeah. Dad, I'm going to take it all out on you. I know. Well, you know, kind of par for the course. I took my anger, my irritation on you the other day. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, now I don't Yeah, because society ba- based a woman's success on the number of children she gave birth to. Well, well, every woman has to have a job. I mean, goddamn, get the get the rear in those kids. Chop chop. Anywho, Amy, fir- and pregnant. Amy first attended the Milton School, which is actually still in operation today as the Milton Academy. To give you a little bit bit of background about this educational institute, so that you can get an idea of what Amy must have felt like when she received her education there, the Milton Academy. 
Academy celebrated its bicentennial back in 1998, and it was given an education charger charter way back in 1798. Holy shit. Yeah. They've been around for a minute. Exactly. Under the Massachusetts land-grant policy. From the time the Academy opened its doors, it was entrusted with responsibility to, and this is quoting their motto, open the way for all the people to a higher order of education than the common schools can supply. Huh, fair so enough. It, it basically was a boarding school. Yeah. No, cool, you know, cool. and um, it was established to be a co-educational male and female student day school where students attended to prepare for college. Students who attended Milton knew that when their education there was complete, they were going on to college. Oh, sweet. So she knew when she was going there, she was going to get a higher education. See, you know what? You're right. Something just hit me is that a lot of people, and I'm not just going with with girls, but guys too, take that higher education. For granted. For granted, big time. Yeah. And my son is no fucking exception. Although he did tell me he'd think about going back and, you know, continue his education. Oh, really? Because he can go to any, any school he wants. He can. I've, I've, you know, as long as they accept him and he gets an acceptance letter, I'll pay for whatever school in the fucking world. Daddy. I haven't, uh, but you won't even let me meet your mom, so I don't even want to hear that shit. But, you know, <laughs> and, and instead he's, you know, kind of just piddle fucking around. Right. But maybe, you know, he said, well, maybe I'm just going to take this year off. Like, well, that's fine. But shit, got to continue your education, fucker. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, you do. Because even, especially nowadays, even with a high school diploma, it's hard to find a job. Think about what the high schools teach you. I mean, seriously. Nothing. Um, I discussed this with, with Jake. Um, is that, like, when I went to school, you could take music classes. In high school, yeah. In, in high school. And... A lot of times you'd at least get some musical education, even if you didn't participate in a class. Mm -hmm. So in the kitchen, I'm getting ready to cook, right? And uh, I've got Death and the the Maiden on uh, Schubert. Okay. Love the song. Beautifully done in D minor. Um, Oh, I forgot. I'm not talking to a bunch of musicians. No, we're not. Gorgeous song. And I mentioned to Jacobs, who's Schubert? Oh, my God. are Are you fucking real? Like, seriously? I just I shake my head. Yeah. I just, don't, well, don't I was shocked that, that he didn't know granted. you knew Brahms or liked Brahms. I'm like, dude. No shit. I knew that and I barely knew you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. So, once Amy finished her education at Milton School in 1890, I don't know if they called it graduation back in that time, but she enrolled at the New Britain Normal School, which... After doing a little more research, I found it, too, is still in operation today, and it's known as Central Connecticut State University. I'm not allowed to go to the normal school for obvious reasons. Because you're not normal. Because I'm not normal. Yeah. Just you a keep little, me up, and I, I need water. Just a little background on this educational institution as well, so you can get a clear picture of where Amy come, came from and the life she could have led. Central Connecticut State University which was formerly New Britain's normal school, is and was a public co-educational institute of higher learning located in New Britain, Connecticut, and has the distinction of being one of the four universities in this Connecticut State University system. It was founded in 1849 as a higher learning center where students could take industry-specific classes. In 1933, it progressed to become a four-year collegiate institution, granting degrees to those who completed the requirements, and then it ch- and it changed its name to the Teachers College of Connecticut. 
and again changed its name in 1959 to become Central Connecticut State College, and by 1983 it was elevated to university standings. Um, I can't imagine what it was like to be a young woman in that era, but from everything I learned in history class and since then, women were considered second-class citizens. Their only purpose... Scott, stop it. He's over there raising his thumb, and he's going to really love this next statement. Their only purpose was to grow up to become wives and mothers. <laughs> their only job was to stay at home, clean the house, cook the food, look after the children, make sure that their husband had food waiting on the table for him when he arrived home from work. So, ladies, know your place. Yeah. They were to do everything their father and later their husband told them to do, and they weren't allowed to have their own opinion, let alone an education to give them skills. Knowing this... Then finding out that Amy was one of the very rare individuals to achieve more than a woman dared to dream about, all I can think about is the amazing opportunities she would have had at her fingertips. Stop it, Scott. You know, for being sick, you sure are annoying. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I'm just giggling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... I don't know how long Amy attended New Britain's normal school, but I would assume that it wasn't more than a two-year program, and I couldn't find any information about her from the time she enrolled in the school in 1890 until 1897 when she met and married James Archer. The couple welcomed their daughter, Mary Archer, in December that year, and the two of them started their caretaker careers in 1901 when they were hired by the family of a widower, widower named John Seymour to take care of the, the elderly man. The archers moved into John's house located in Newington, Connecticut, and took care of him for three years until he died in 1904. Okay? Once Seymour passed away, John Seymour passed away, his family converted his house into a local boarding house for the elderly in the area. I'm assuming that was equivalent to the retirement homes we see today. Um, instead of trying to look for alternative employment somewhere else, Amy and John stayed on and continued to provide care to the new residents for a small fee. Then, as time progresses, part of the agreement they had with John's family, they started to pay rent on the house, and it would be run by them. So they named the establishment Sister Amy's Nursing Home for the Elderly. Interesting side note. In the late 1800s, early 1900s, when elderly boarding houses were making their debut, the elderly residents were referred to as inmates. <laughs> Go figure. I refer to the ladies as a dating pool, but okay. <laughs> no, you refer to them as prisoners anyway. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> they can't get away from you, Scott. Okay, hear me out on this, okay? I I'm listening. You're in a retirement home, mm -hmm. okay? And maybe you're tired of yelling, bingo, I got a bingo. And you're like, you know what? Fuck this place. I'm going to go down to Walmart and pee in the aisle like, you know, the hobos do. And you try to leave. What's going to happen? Well, orderlies are going to grab your ass and say, uh-uh. I don't think so, fucker. Go back in there and play checkers. They're not going to let you leave. It depends on your, yeah, it depends on your status, but you, yeah. You, you, you know who else has those same requirements? You. Fucking inmates, not me. <laughs> They won't That's let, true. They won't let me in. They won't let them out. Well, you know. I come, that protects society somehow, Scott. <laughs> makes me sad. I come with Lysol and Depends. Oh, you're so gross. So the couple ran a successful establishment until about 1907 when the heirs of John Seymour's estate decided they wanted to sell the house. At that point, Amy and John made the decision to move to Windsor, Connecticut, where they took the money they had saved and bought the house on Prospect Street. 
It didn't take them long to turn the multi-level home into a business which they called Archer Home for the Elderly and Infirm. The two of them ran this business successfully until 1910 when James Archer died from what health officials say were natural causes. The official cause of death on record was Bright's disease. Now, this is a generic term that was used to describe what modern medicine refers to as acute and chronic nephritis, which is uh, inflammation in the kidneys. Oh, okay. I'm glad you explained that because... I was going to ask you what the hell the first thing oh, was. Honey, then you, you said knew I would continue to explain for you. I'm just, just blank. My brain went blank. And went, what the fuck is she yeah. saying? Yeah. It says most likely patients who suffer from this would also have a history of high blood pressure and heart disease. So although the doctors and authorities listed natural causes on his death certificate, I would be remiss if I did not let you know that just a couple of weeks before James died, Amy purchased a life insurance policy for him. And the payout on this policy allowed her to keep the doors of Archer home open to the elderly. Um, she remarried in 1913. Her new husband was Michael Gilligan. Here on Gilligan's Isle. <laughs> what was his last name? First name? I can't remember. I don't think they ever said what Gilligan's first name was. They might not have. He was a widower with four grown sons of his own. And according to several reports, Michael was considerably wealthy and he wasn't only interested in Amy romantically, he also wanted to be an active investor in the Archer home. Sadly, Amy and Michael were only married for three short months. On February 20th, 1914, Michael would be declared dead. The official cause of death listed for him was acute bilious attack. And by the I actually say this by the blanket quizzical look on Scott's giving me right now. You know me too you. well because I know what the f- let me I've translate even, that. I've never for even you. heard anything close to what the fuck a bilious is. Yeah. Anyways, let me explain that for you. Do you know what bile is, right? Yeah, I know what bile okay, is. Okay, so it's severe indigestion. Bile's and in, you know indigestion. Bil- build up bilious. Oh yeah. You know you could have just led with that. No. I've just said you could have just led with that shit. No, I have, I like the quizzical look you give me. <laughs> kind of like a dog hearing a dog whistle. My fucking head just turned. Yeah. Out, hmm? <laughs> 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 yes, and I, I go, am the good Yep, boy. you heard me right. His death pretty much guaranteed that Amy would be financially secure for quite some time. Before he met a sudden unexpected death, he had the forethought, perhaps her encouragement, to drop a new will, leaving his entire estate to her. Well, at least at the time of his death, it was fortuitous that he would provide for her in the event anything happened to him. However, authorities were later able to determine this new will was, in fact, a forgery that was written up by Amy herself. And yet they were able to match it to her handwriting. Oh, see here I'm thinking that she's like some mastermind. But um, no, not so much. Oh, no. That's why her last name is Gilligan. (laughs) Hey, little buddy. That's right. (laughs) We are so old. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know who what Gill what we're talking about, Gilligan's Island was a TV show in like the seventies. Yeah, they and- went on a they went on a little a boating excursion that was supposed to take three hours. They were stranded on an island. And they were genius enough to come up with all these inventions, except for how to get the fuck off the island. You know, and I, <laughs> I've questioned that even before but this. the glow charters made it out there. <laughs> they did? Yeah. You don't remember the episode with the glow charters? Uh, that's lost in my drug hazes, oh. haze days. Yeah, it, that's what I could never figure out. All kinds of shit wound up there. They got a professor who can, like, invent 
anything. Yeah. Can't get off the fucking island. Yeah. That's Can't amazing. get a two-way radio working. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> fucking rich-ass people who could fucking buy the world. Can't get nothing. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay, so for the most part, when residents arrived at the house, they began to adjust to their new environment. They soon fell into a routine of waking up in the morning to a nice warm meal. Then they would spend their day visiting with one another, perhaps occasionally sitting in a favorite chair to read a book. Did they go to Walmart together? No, there wasn't a Walmart back then. Oh. Thank God. Did they do it on a bus? Like, did they have a little... Sh- I, I'm just saying, the retirement homes that I see now, they have little tiny short buses. They do. And it says, like, you know, um, like, quality retirement home yeah. or I, I don't know if that's a real name of a retirement home yeah they like, have like the the um it's always something like Sunnybrook or, yeah they always have I mean or, my mom's old facility had one too yeah yeah they get but no, the short I don't think they had these back then anyways I picture the old ladies sitting around knitting or crocheting as they gossip amongst themselves the old men probably roam the grounds and play checkers on the porch hollering at kids playing in the streets it's the idyllic life of someone in their twilight years, right? Um, hello, I'm 48. I yell at kids now. Just for entertainment. I know. Because I don't like kids. Dude, I can imagine you with a porch sitting out there, like, smoking your cigarette and enjoying a nice, you know, cocktail going, get on out of here. <laughs> that is actually my plan. I'm actually currently house shopping. Are we? I am. Not we. Me. Me? me. <laughs> and, uh, and I actually wanted to buy the one across the street, but it's only one bedroom. So that's not going to happen. No. Yeah, they converted into they got it's got two bathrooms though, so that way their pig boy can have his own. Um, but then you'd have to share a bed, so yeah. So that ain't gonna happen because you know he's big and smelly. But um, yeah, well. that's my goal. Is I want a porch so I can sit out there and go, boy, you know what? Yeah, off my lawn. Get off my lawn. <laughs> that's my plan. That's my plan. That's, yeah, that's how I want to live out my fucking days. Yeah. So I'm sure it didn't take long for each of them to become close. Close with a- Sister Amy, that's what they called her, the one that took care of them all day. And they probably even began to notice how the widow struggled to run a business and provide for her child. I'm sure she probably let it slip occasionally, or perhaps she had the need to confide in somebody about the problems she faced now that her two husbands had passed on. She struggled with many problems, but she was a God-fearing woman who went to church regularly, so she knew God would answer her prayers and help her get through her current situation. However, as time went on, it seemed to them that her prayers weren't enough to help. So the sad story about Amy, as her residents told it, right? Some of her residents would later state, she was such a young, beautiful girl with a promising future, their new husband and baby daughter. Everything was going well with the family, and they may not have been rich, but they were not poor by any means. They were able to provide for themselves and the daughter while they owned and operated a successful business. Yet when James died in 1910, he wasn't only her husband, he was her business partner. She tried to mourn his loss, but she was suddenly learning the harsh truth about what her what her reality would soon become. You see, he took care of the books for the business and she just took care of the household chores. And with James no longer there to handle the finances, she was left to try and figure out how to do it on her own. And what she quickly learned was not that, not what James had led her to believe they were in debt. 
<laughs> she had to try to balance a new budget and find a way to pay the back taxes that were owed to the government. However, she didn't want her daughter to suffer for what her father had apparently done to them. Amy wanted to continue to give her daughter a good life, especially now that Mary was attending Windsor's Campbell School for Girls, a private institution that carried the hefty cost of $410 a year for tuition fees alone. <laughs> I knew you were going to laugh about I'm that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, Wasn't that a week of your your son's education? <laughs> I'm floored. Okay, so she's bitching about four hundred and some odd bucks a month. That's bad. Or, or, or it just was a month or a, a year? year. A, a year. I'm still just okay. Continue. I'm just. I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna just sit over here shaking. My then there was head. the cost of Mary's piano piano lessons, and Mary should play the piano beautifully. That was another fifty dollars a year. Jesus fucking Christ! As you you can just about imagine, when the elderly people she took such good care of heard the tales of her woe, they more than likely felt empathy for her, especially since they too felt scared and alone at one point. At least they did until Sister Amy opened the door and welcomed them to the Archer private home. Occasionally, someone reach into their pocket or handbag and pull out a few dollars here and there to hold her over until things settled back down. And they always. And that always helped dry her tears. She was always so grateful, and she would show that with her slight, shy smile. She would walk away with a little more pep in her step and return a short time later with a delicious little snack for them to enjoy or perhaps a nice cup of coffee or glass of iced tea. And then recipient would interpret Amy's actions as a kind gesture of thank you. However, she wasn't saying thank you for the pittance she had just received. She was more than likely thanking them for what she would soon be getting. I think I married her at one point. She sounds just a lot like one of my ex-wives. Well, I don't know about that. You're still here. Nah, just as far as like a fucking... I'm not, I'm not going to go my ex-wives, because my ex-wives, by and large, they just ripped me off behind my back. Not all of them, but a couple of them. But, uh, you know, uh, definitely a couple of ex-girlfriends. Oh, my life is so hard. And then me Would that get me anywhere with you? Fuck the hell no. Oh. I've been screwed over too many times, I'm telling you. Oh, you know. Then you start watching, but hey, you know, there's a job opening over here. If you can go to work, that would be freaking great. I can't do that because it's raining outside and I could melt. You know, just some bullshit fucking excuse. <laughs> so not long after they took the first bite of the snack or the sip of the drink, they would get a strange tingle in their fingers. <laughs> the- Shut I up. got that too, whatever <laughs> I think about your mom. <laughs> You okay and over there? No. <laughs> this was immediately followed by violent vomiting before they collapsed to the floor in convulsions. They would convulse until they lost consciousness, never to open their eyes again. And the sweet, kind sister Amy had just served them their last meal. Jesus fuck, man. Yeah. Now I'm feeling pretty lucky about some of my exes and shit. Yeah, you should. I don't think any of them tried to poison me. That, you know what? That I know of. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm not dead. Maybe I'm like a cockroach. I can't ever die. I believe that about you. There'll be like a nuclear war. There'll nothing be, be nothing. There'll but be ants. cockroaches and you. Yeah, that, uh, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'll be the king of the world then. And those fucking giant ass spiders down in Australia. Oh, yeah. Thanks for reminding me of that. Since I'm arachnophobic, you're a dick. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> the truth is, almost as soon as the Archer of Private Home for the Elderly opened their doors to the first residence in 1907, those who walked in on their own two feet were soon being carried out, laying on a stretcher on their backs. 
The deaths were sporadic at first, nothing suspicious in the least. However, as the years progressed, so did this frequency of deaths inside. It got to the point where locals in the town quit calling it the Archer Private Home for the Elderly and began referring to it as the Murder Factory. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's more. It's true. Amy wasn't running a bed and breakfast establishment for newlyweds on their honeymoon. The people who moved in were expected to die eventually. That's the nature of the business when it comes to senior population. Just because the residents were dying doesn't mean they were being murdered, does it? Well, under normal circumstances, I'd agree with you. Just because one old per- just because an old person dies, it doesn't mean they were murdered. There were real indications that alluded to more than just coincidences or hazard of the industry. When people started to look at the average death rate among the aging population in the area, they noticed that the death rate was higher among the residents at the Archer home than the other nursing establishments around the region. In comparison, the number of deaths at the Archer home nearly equaled the number of deaths reported at a facility that had seven times more residents. Damn. Yeah, that means the death rate for Amy's house was seven times the average death rate per capita. That's freaking awesome. I know, right? In less than 10 years of operation, it's reported that at least 60 people died died while they were staying at Amy's boarding house. Before 1911, the year after James died, there had only been a total of 12. <laughs> that means from 1911 to 1916, five short years, there were at least 48 deaths among the residents there. An eerie coincidence when you consider the last five years were Amy's most stressful years financially. It's not possible that she was killing... I said, it's not possible that she was killing her residents in order to receive the benefits of their life insurance, is it? Nah. (laughs) Nah. Overreacting. Exactly. Coincidence. Yeah. She wasn't making room for more residents who would also sign over life insurance money to her, or was she killing them for income? Well, well, you got to think about it. Actually, now there, it's it's a pretty ingenious plan. Kind of is. And hear me out, folks. Hear me out. You have an old folks home. They're signing over their life insurance to you, and you start killing. What? Let's say just say one or two off here and there. Yeah. You're getting some money. You're going to get away with that. Yeah. One hundred percent. Because you know, because well, like Tammy said, it's it's not. Uncommon. It's a hazard. Of, yeah, it's a hazard of the industry. Yeah, I mean, pe- people die in in retirement facilities yeah. all, every day. You know, you're, you're elderly and you're, you know, you're getting ready to kick off anyway. Understand that. It's brilliant. The problem with her is, though, she's getting a little bit greedy and she's like, ah, let's up that income a whole lot. Let's just get them in and get them out. Yeah. She was a needy baby, greedy baby. I can't even think about saying that or my head will explode and my butthole will fall out. Well, as the months went on and the body count grew, what once seemed like a town gossip looked more like harsh reality. Um, one of the residents that died not long after moving into the Archer home was a rather young 60 year old gentleman. His death is the most suspicious of them all. Franklin Andrews was in excellent health when he arrived at 27 Prospect Street. He was still spry enough to do some light work around the house and run his own errands around town. Granted, he did have some minor disabilities, but they were minor. He was actually alert enough to begin noticing the questionable number of deaths occurring within the residents that were moving into the house. He even mentioned it in some of the letters he wrote to his family. Smart man. Not long after he mailed his letters off, he collapsed suddenly. Two days later, in May of 1914, he died from what was thought to be complications related to his gastric ulcer. Odd when you consider that right before he collapsed, he was seen doing small maintenance jobs around the house with no indication there was something wrong with him. Well, you can die from a fucking ulcer? 
Oh, yeah. Like, for real? For reals, for reals. Because I've had ulcers before. Yeah, you can bleed internally from an ulcer. Get the fuck. Well, that's what an ulcer is, is the lining of your stomach is gone, you know, in in a spot. They can eventually eat through the whole thing and just, yeah. God damn. Eventually, if not, yeah. And and I'm only surprised, like, for real, because my doctor was, like, so harsh on me. He's like, dude, this is what you got to do. No more spicy food. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. Take all these medications, because if not, you could die. And I'm thinking, it's just a fucking ulcer and my stomach hurts and i get a lot of acid oh my god sticky notes that's, fucking that's not what i was looking for i was looking for my my lip balm but i found that for you no, so. no i know why he was all serious about it though i didn't yeah. know you could fucking die from that yeah. shit because i'll admit i still kept eating really i was gonna hot say you spoon. still eat fucking spicy foods and shit that's why i, I can't to. eat spice or green peppers and shit because it hurts my ulcer i have to eat spicy yeah, because you smoke too much and you have no taste buds left. No, I got plenty of taste buds left and great olfactory senses. It's just, oh God, I love the heat. Not just heat, though. People confuse this. They go, well, you know, it, the hot is just hot. It has to have flavor. Right. There's a difference between hot and smoky flavor. Right. Well, because uh, I remember trying this stuff called Dave's Insanity Sauce, and it was hot. Hot, hot, hot. No flavor. It was just all heat. Yeah. That's garbage. I want something that's hot, hot, hot. But has good flavor. Yeah. That way there, it burns at both ends. You like it burning going in and coming out? Actually, I cry every time and swear to God, I'm never going to eat spicy peppers or anything like that ever That's again. That's what you see every Friday when you come back from your overnight trucking <laughs> gigs and you have that pizza with sriracha sauce on it. Yeah. You go, I'm never eating that again. Oh, my butt hurts. I'm never going to eat that again. And then, all and then, sudden, then next Thursday... <laughs> oh, it could be the next day. You know, I've had friends, hey, man, new Mexican food place, and, you know, they've got this and this, and it's supposed to be really spicy. Really? Okay, let's fucking go. What are you waiting for? What could go wrong? Why wouldn't I go and do that with you? <laughs> and then I cry again. Oh, I don't know why I did this to myself. How does this keep happening to me? My dignity falls right out. You Your know, ass. <laughs> right out my ass. Oh, seriously, I have no dignity left. It gets so hot, you can't feel your legs. You swear yeah. something's cooking. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> so a few days after his death, his sister arrived to collect his things. Among the items she packed away, she found some paperwork that indicated he had given Sister Amy a loan in the amount of $500. Um, in her mind, his death was already suspicious. Now she was convinced it was the result of foul play. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So, Franklin's sister left the Archer house and headed straight to the office of the state attorney before she stopped by the local newspaper offices. In the beginning, the state attorney did nothing with the sister's concerns. That wasn't the case with the newspaper employee she spoke to. Carlin Gosley was working for the Hartford Current at the time, and he was the one responsible for writing up the obituary announcements. Um, Even before Franklin's death and his his sister's claims, Carlin had started questioning the sheer number of deaths that he was seeing coming from the Archer home. He was extremely suspicious about Amy's second husband, Michael's death, considering it was after the couple had only been married for three months. And those suspicions grew even more when he found out Amy was supposedly his sole beneficiary, considering he had four grown sons as well. Yeah, that's a little. Yeah. Yeah. Your children don't know that you made my dog your sole beneficiary yet, do they? They don't know yet, but I bet you they know now. <laughs> Look at him. I, know. I want to tell everybody Ghost is in studio today. He my buddy, is. buddies, I haven't gotten to see him in a couple of weeks. He is today. So all the deaths among the residents at Amy's house seem to be the result of one digestive issue or another. 
All the incidents occurred without warning, which indicated a high probability of poisoning being the culprit. Carlin had already pieced this together before he received the visit from Franklin's sister. After he spoke with her, he made the decision to take action upon action himself, since it seems the state attorney wasn't inclined to do so. Carlin started by going around to local drugstores and looking through their poison records. What he found in those records would change the course of everything. According to the poison records at one particular drugstore in Windsor, right before Michael, Amy's second husband, died, she had gone in and purchased a significant amount of arsenic. At the time, she claimed she had a rat and bed bug infestation. Here we go again with the fucking I know, arsenic and strychnine. That's the that, two You got to think of the things. time, the era, and God I'll explain that damn in a minute. Amy, fucking mix that shit up a little bit, you twat. How did you want her to kill him? I don't know. Fucking pushing down some stairs. Ooh, she could have gotten like that um, blowfish or something, right? Exactly. Do something creative. That's digitoxin, by the way. Yeah, I knew that was digitoxin. <laughs> I knew that because of my absolute love of sushi. Oh, yeah. I'd like to try that. I heard you can only get it over in Japan, though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Is it cool? Does it like really make your tongue a little numb yeah, and tingly? Yeah, it does. It's fucking awesome. Does you, it? you, you think you might die for a second? It's wonderful. <laughs> you get that adrenaline rush like, I'm going to die, and then yep. you're It's you're like, fine. I don't think he cut this right. <laughs> I'm <laughs> fucked now. Yeah. Too late. Um, so, um, let's see. She had gone and purchased it at the time. She claims... Oh, I already said that. Um, however... In hindsight, her claims don't seem so innocent, especially when you consider the quantity she purchased far exceeded the amount one would need to eradicate vermin. The quantity was sufficient enough to murder more than 100 adult humans. Hello, wrong kind of vermin. He's, she's thinking of people, not the, the rats. The pests that were in her life. Exactly. <laughs> you can't fault her for that. You can't. Not really. I just fault her for not being considering like, we have ones that we know we want to get rid of ourselves. Well, I do fault her for using fucking arsenic because that's what everybody during the time used. It's pretty common. Yeah, pretty well, easy. Well, I'll to explain trace. why in a minute. But Carlin quickly took his findings to the local police department, and the authorities couldn't seem to exhume the bodies of the former residents of the Archer House quick enough. When the tissue of the corpses was collected and tested, the results were alarming, to say the least. The tests that were done on Amy's latest victim, Franklin, indicated there was so much poison present in his system at the time he died that Amy could have killed six healthy adult males. Holy shit. Yeah. Hey, go big or go home. That's right. It didn't take long for more tests to come in, and the scientists soon learned that more than 24 of the exhumed bodies also had the presence of arsenic. Okay. Beautiful. With all the advancements and technologies and knowledge, advancements and technology and knowledge today, it's hard for us to imagine something so primitive. However, as far back as the mid 1700s through the early 1900s, studies have shown that the use of poison was the preferred method murderers used to dispense of their victims. Especially since science had not advanced to a fraction of what it is today. You see, before science, was able to prove otherwise death by poison resembled death by natural causes. Not to mention, most poisons were both tasteless and odorless, except for cyanide. Yeah, as I say, cyanide. <laughs> yeah. Some even metabolized so quickly after they were ingested if they were administrated in small doses over a period of time, as opposed to mass quantities all in one heaping cup. The chances of the poison showing 
up in the test were slim to none. For example, if a killer served their victims a little arsenic with their tea, the victim died slowly over a period of time, and there'd be little if no suspicion about how they died. However, if the killer did what Amy did by serving her victims a little tea with their arsenic, <laughs> they would die in a matter of hours. Hey, um, man, she, she's, she's quick. She is. When she makes up her mind, it's it's over. Yeah, it's a done deal. Yeah. May 8, 1916, Amy was finally arrested for her crimes. For the next year, her case would come before the court of public opinion just as often, if not more, than it did in the courthouse. By June of the following year, Amy Archer Gilligan had been tried and found guilty of the murders, and the judge sentenced her to death by hanging. However, Amy's attorneys filed an appeal, and she was granted a second trial. Even though she was found guilty at the end of that trial as well, she was sentenced to life in prison. However, it wasn't long after that when the prison officials had her transferred and committed to the Connecticut General Hospital for the Insane located in Middleton. Unlike others we have featured, the chances that Amy truly was a tad insane in her membrane are highly likely. Yeah. Like that one? I do. Yeah. Amy was the eighth out of ten children. Of her nine siblings, two others were also declared legally insane, warranting the necessity to have them committed to a state mental institute as well. One of them committed before Amy's trial and the other one after. So Amy remained committed to the psychiatric war until she died in 1962. Though unlike unlike her, her notoriety in the area never died. After Amy's case, many had concerns, and for good reason, about the care that was provided to the aging population of society. It didn't take long for the state of Connecticut to lead the charge that would mandate regular inspections and annual reports of the deaths that occurred while residents were being cared for in nursing facilities. Now, I know firsthand that to this day, the facilities in Oregon are subject to surveys every year. Now, the These surveys are a group of state health officials that go into a facility and comb through all of the patient files, the incident reports, every document to make sure that the facility is not only up to code, but they also have the proper documentation to support every pill given, every therapy performed, every band-aid that is affixed. Well, and it makes sense because I mean, I've learned so much from doing these medical Mondays, just listening to you do them. Yeah. Um, and the very few that I've done, I will admit I haven't done very many like I did Colin, but uh, just hearing the shit that people do simply, well, let, let's face it, just because they know that, that well, I'll get away with it. Yeah. You know, I can, I can torture people. I can kill people. I can inject this. I can do this. I can do this. No wonder you got to fucking, it, it, it so much explains why pill costs are so high when you're in like the hospital, like if you say, "Hey, man, you got an aspirin on you because you got kind of a headache." Bucks. Yeah, they're like, "Okay, hold on, I have to get your doctor to sign off on yeah. that, and then this nurse has to approve it, and then the doctor will sign off, and then we're going to send it to the pharmacy, and the pharmacy tech has to get it authorized to his boss, yeah. who will then fill this prescription to send you up one aspirin, yes. and then you look at the insurance, what the insurance had to pay, and you're like, it was 35 bucks for a fucking aspirin? I could buy like five yeah. bottles of aspirin yeah, for 35 precisely. bucks. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so these facilities have to account for everything, and they have to keep all that documentation on hand in storage boxes on site for at least seven years after the resident leaves or passes away before it can be moved to an archive offsite. Wow. Even with computer technology, they have to have hard copies too. 
Well, it makes sense because, yeah. you know. Anything can happen. And Yeah, anything can happen, yeah. man. So Joseph Kesselring, a playwright, turned Amy Archer Gilligan's story into an old comedy that he chose to immortalize the case when he wrote the play. You know what, everyone? No, I have no idea. Arsenic and Old Lace. Get the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, that featured two old murderers. That's awesome. And this play would go from the stages of Broadway to the screens of Hollywood when it was made into a star-studded moving star, Cary Grant, Peter Lorre, Priscilla Lane, and Gina Dare, to name a few, both of which were very successful then and are considered classics today. I'm surprised I haven't even heard of that. I, now i got to watch it because I love the, the older movies. I did too, movies. and I've seen it a long time ago, and I don't really remember it. Just like I love the old Clint Eastwood D- Dirty Harry movies. Um, I remember the one. The Go Ahead, Punk, Make My Day. No, oh, no. Oh, Do You Feel Lucky? Yeah, it's that. Yeah. But I, I love the, the lingo that they use. There was one point, and we'll get back on track about this psycho bitch, that uh, Dirty Harry has a, he has a female partner. And it was uh, one of the chicks that pay, played on Cagney and Lacey. I can't remember what her name is. But uh, they walk into an all-black establishment. It's a black barber shop, right? And one of the guys looks at him, oh, look. The fuzz is here. <laughs> and uh, so he goes in and he talks to the, the guy who's leading this gang. His name's Mustafa. And uh, comes back out. Uh, he's, going, he's going in to see him. And, and they're, don't worry, pig. We take good care of your partner. And he looks at him and goes, well, that's mighty white of you. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, it was awesome. I love those old movies where it wasn't so politically correct. It's just, it's that little yeah. bit, little touch yeah. of humor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, you should see him in Gran Torino. Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't seen Good. that movie yet. You should watch it. It's awesome. Sweet. But, um, since, okay, so since I found myself offering most of my thoughts throughout the presentation, I won't, you know, reiterate them again. But I do have some questions. Obvious question first. Nature. <laughs> Before you even ask. I, uh, nature. Dude, that wasn't my question. Yes, it was. But. This twat had every fucking opportunity known to man at the time she had a higher than higher education yeah from even adult i mean male students and she could have taken that with her idea of having a nursing care facility and parlayed that into an empire and not only that is her facilities would probably still be open and running today yeah she could have parlayed that into a a freaking multi today billion dollar empire Empire, yes because they were so new back then yeah it would have been you know no killing necessary Nothing like that. Um, and instead, she decided to take the path of, you know, hey, let's uh, make a quick buck. Yeah. Type of a thing. Yeah, total nature, man. Because uh, I, don't, I don't see her parents have done doing the same thing. Maybe they did. We don't have a lot of, re- you know, shit on that. But um, maybe they did. But I don't really, it doesn't feel that way to me. Yeah, because you know I mean? when you look back on it and considering she received um, a higher than eighth grade education, knowing she was going to go out to college at pretty much a private school. Yeah. Okay, so the, her parents had to pay for that. So they had to been well off on, oh, to some yeah. extent. Yeah, private schools and are then, cheap. Yeah, and then she went on to college before scholarships were even a thing to get another education. They had to pay for that. So my whole thing is... and. That was a luxury even a lot of males didn't enjoy at that time. Right. You know, so she had a better than average lifestyle. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with you. I agree. It, it, it's just total greed, you know, and and no forethought on not the quick buck because you, you and I have talked about my business. Yeah. You know, and uh, while it is fairly successful, 
it wasn't a quick buck. No. I mean, I literally had to pick up cans and bottles. Well, and you had to build projects, a reputation. You build a reputation. Yeah. I remember honking my guitars to finish projects, uh, so I could just buy back the guitars and you know and go on to another project, you know, and things like that. And yeah. it's it's not a get rich quick type of a scheme. No, she has all these resources. Mm-hmm. She could have. Oh my god. If I would have had even a fraction of those opportunities. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Could you imagine <laughs> the doors that were open for her just for graduating from the Milton Academy? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. This, this woman kind of sickens me only because she just she really just shit on all Everything. the opportunities that she had. Yeah. So when we look back over the case and we realize that, you know, she most probably did kill her second husband and maybe even her first. Probably. Do you think she and James were responsible for the death of John Seymour, the individual that started their caretaking career? Because he died three short years after they started caring for him. I don't know. That feels a little long. Okay. You you know what I mean? Because it it sounds like, well, like it was a factory. She gets him in, gets him out. Uh, I'll go... I'll go maybe, but... I think that it was a matter of he died. Right. So now they have this opportunity. They said, hey, look, we've taken care of this dude forever. Right. Let's keep doing it and make money at it. Right. And Because there's money to be made. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a matter of, okay, you know, hubby over here, he's been out of drinking and probably whoring. Yeah. I'm not saying he was whoring. That's he probably me. was. Men like. Men have, men have not changed over the years, Scott. What can I say? I'm just, I'm looking at you. <laughs> but, um, you know, if I get rid of him and then he leaves me some money. Right. Well, you know. Yeah, because she had just taken an insurance policy out on him. It, the first husband. Yeah, it, it, yeah I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Um, Don't try to be like you're going to try to word it delicately. Because, no, I'm not trying to. Oh. Just my brain is so scattered right now. I just, I really do feel like garbage. And I think the only relief I'm going to get is through booze, but, um, don't judge. Um, I ain't judging. But, um, she said, Hey, this is, if, if I take the same formula and mm-hmm. I repeat it over and over and over and over again, and you know, maybe I kill off one or two people. Well, and maybe they saw what it was giving them to begin with, you know, and that's what when I'm somebody died naturally. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like when, when the dude they took care of for three years died naturally, you know, it, it sparked that idea. And, Instead of saying, hey, you know, we can make a shit ton of money if we open up different care facilities and we right. keep this good motto of, hey, we're really going to take care of you and, and we, we live up to what we're, what we're saying, you know, and build a good reputation. Instead of doing that, let's just kill them off. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, that's my thought on it. Okay. Now, um, do you think that she continued to kill her residents because she needed the money? Or do you think she developed a taste for it and became a ritual, something she enjoyed? Oh, something that she totally enjoyed. Especially considering she gave him six times the amount of arsenic it would have taken to kill him. No, what gets me that tells me that she enjoyed it was, you know, if if somebody helps me out, the last thing I want to do is hurt him. This is true. And it sounds like, and from what you said, that immediately after somebody said, hey, you know what? I know you're hitting some hard times. There's a couple right. of bucks, you know, to kind of get you through. She's like, oh, thank you. You're so nice. By the way, have a little bit of arsenic with your tea yeah. and you can die. Yeah. That's have fucking... a little bit of tea with your arsenic, Scott. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, you know, it's fucking, 
she she did it because she enjoyed it. Yeah, that's the whole thing, man. I mean, do you really want to go and hurt anybody who's truly trying to help you? No, no. Other than you, no. Well, yeah, and most people don't. I, I want to choke you every day, but no. That's I don't. because I'm no. an asshole. <laughs> this is true. I mean, shit. I'll be thanking you as I'm killing you. <laughs> and because I would really, 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 Anyways, really want to date your mom. I know you do. Because she had me at Catwoman. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Meow. If she had not said those words to you, <laughs> I'd have been so happy. <laughs> that but, just topped it off. That was so hilarious. That's all I have, all the questions I have for you. However, I'm going to leave this one final thought, and I don't have it in my notes. But to this day, 27 Prospect Place is still standing, and it is turned into an apartment complex. Holy shit, nice. I know, we should go. Yeah, Maybe. We'll knock on door to door. Hey, can we come in and check out your place? No, this place was a murder factory. Yeah, this was a murder factory. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <sighs> you just need to entertain my wants. <laughs> I already did. Shut up. Took you a second, didn't I it? I did. <laughs> I felt like that was a Jeopardy moment. No, because I was like, wait a minute. No, you didn't. And then I was like, yes, you did. <laughs> Because my mind went to me traveling and doing all this other stuff, and you were going somewhere else. Yeah, 100%. 100%. (laughs) I'm just not right in the head. You're not right in the head at all. But no, that's all I have for Amy Archer Gilligan today. All right. So, this has been Brutal Nation. Remember, you can send us an email at brutalnation.cast at gmail.com. Check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. Click on that... uh, um, 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 Amazon button. God damn. Helps the show out. Doesn't cost you anything extra. Check us out on, uh, if you like blogs, that is, uh, on Medium, vocal media, and hub pages. Uh, yeah, because our blog entries have a lot more than what we just say on. Over. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And not all of Scott's commentary. <laughs> but my commentary is the best. Just search at Brutal Nation. We'll come right up for you. Oh, shit, we had some others. Oh, hey, YouTube. Uh, yes, you we have YouTube. YouTube. Uh, our YouTube channel is up. I mean, and wait, now we're just running commercials for the blog, you know, the blog entries and stuff. So you can kind of get a general idea. And we're going to be expanding that in the future, near future, actually. Um, and naked pictures of me. Yeah, and we are in the process of putting together our Patreon page. Oh, yeah. Huh? You know, so people can start, don't, you know, supporting us that way. And I'm also coming up with, uh, I think it's called Ko-Fi to help support our blog pages. So that they're two separate You didn't entities. even catch that I said naked pictures of me at the, on the YouTube page. I, that's awesome. That's because I chose to not indulge in that wow. line of thinking. <laughs> Your mom likes the pictures. Oh, my dear. <laughs> well, what's really funny is because, you know, I have... You used to send me, I always called them poop pics, because you knew it was really like, dude, why do you have to send me a picture of you on the toilet? Because <laughs> don't understand. With so, a storyline behind it. There is a storyline behind it. What is the storyline? No, the, the one Oh, that yeah, you, like, you do. You always usually have, and then you story. like send me like random pictures of, you know, your facial expressions that, to go along with the story you're telling me. <laughs> um, but that's not my point. The point is, is I have now that every time you call me, it's one of those pictures that comes up on my phone. That is awesome. <laughs> so I told mom, I said, if you see Scott on the toilet, just ignore it. <laughs> and she goes, what? And she goes, never mind. <laughs> 
But yeah. That's some sexiness right there. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> all right. This show is copyrighted 2021 by Twisted LLC. All rights reserved. And we will catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.